Wow, after that resounding amen, kind of hard to come down to earth and talk about real things that we face. Our student ministries team sent me some questions that students were asking. They were asking, how do we deal with stress and anxiety? Maybe high school students facing final exams, uh, maybe needing to complete some projects, uh, living under the expectations of professors and parents, anxiety. Do you experience anxiety? Maybe you um, are having a hard time making ends meet. And that financial concern generates concern. Maybe you look at what's happening in the world around us and you say, how can we not live with anxiety? The opioid crisis, uh, the lack of moral compass, climate change. Maybe you're a parent and your kids are struggling. How can you not be anxious? Maybe you're here and you're not feeling well and doctors just don't know what it is. Anxiety, what is it? There's a positive form of anxiety and intentness that uh, uh, leads you to stay alert during a job or an interview. Actually encourages you to prepare for an exam. Helps you address a real-life situation. But in the text that we're going to read today, Peter, he talks about a negative form of anxiety. That kind of anxiety that is is, uh, just flavored with uneasy feelings, uh, a nervous behavior, a a restlessness, a pacing back and forth. Sometimes it's accompanied by, by fatigue. Problems in concentration when we're anxious, we just can't think straight. Often we lose sleep. I find that I have thoughts that just kind of loop around my brain. You know, they roll around here during the day and every now and then they loop to the front and then I'm aware of them, I'm conscious of them. But I have to stay focused on work and so they loop back to the back again and just keep rolling around. And if I don't deal with them, then I wake up at night. So in these moments of life, which we all experience, these moments filled with anxiety, what do we say? It's so easy to ask questions like, so where is God anyways? What did I do to deserve this? How am I supposed to handle it? Based on today's scripture, those are the wrong questions. What would be the right questions? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. For you. Humble yourselves, therefore, Peter writes. He writes, therefore, because he's referring back to the previous verse in verse 5. Verse 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. He lines up against the the proud. That's why Peter writes, humble yourselves. And you might immediately react and say, well, I don't want to humble myself. I want to resolve my problem. That's what I want. But the truth is that we will humble ourselves before someone or something. 
I will humble myself before someone, before an idol, before an entity. I will humble myself before someone or something. So Peter writes, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Where does that phrase come from? We find it most often in the Old Testament scriptures. We find it in the book of Exodus. The mighty hand of God delivering Israel out of captivity in Egypt. So what Peter is saying here to the churches in Asia Minor, these churches that are experiencing loss of identity, loss of favor in society, they're experiencing loss of income, shame. He says to them, the same God that was present to deliver Israel out of Egypt is present to carry you through your circumstances. God can do for you what you can't do for yourselves. God would say to us here today, humble yourself under my mighty hand, and I will do for you what I did for the people of Egypt thousands of years ago. I haven't changed. God is present to act. In fact, the scriptures say that God lavishes his favor on those who are humble. What does that look like? Well, listen carefully. We'll see it in a minute. Why should we humble ourselves? Peter says, so that God may exalt us. If we're followers of Jesus, we certainly will be exalted on the final day, at the, the day of Christ's return. Peter talks about that throughout his letter. But also, God will lift us up in our day-to-day circumstances. By the Holy Spirit, we'll be strengthened, we'll be sustained. A few weeks ago, I was thinking about one of my daughters, and I was really concerned about her, worried about the things that she was going through. Someone has said that having children is like having your heart outside of your body. So I was running through a park with all of these anxious thoughts in my mind, and suddenly the Lord gave me a thought, this is actually an easy one. I thought, easy? You know, God doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do. The Lord doesn't ask us to make the sun rise. He doesn't ask us to make it rain. He doesn't ask us to make trees grow. He doesn't ask us to heal those that we love. God asks us to do things that we can do. He asks us to humble ourselves. Each person here can humble himself or herself before God. You know, we were actually created to do that. We were created to bow and worship. All we have to do is lay down our pride. As we sing here today, as we worship, if we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, then we're not denying reality. We're not running from our lives. We're just surrendering all that we are and all that concerns us into God's hands. We humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because he can deliver us. He can help us. So, what did you and I do with our anxieties this week? What are you doing with them right now? Verse 7 helps us understand what we should do. It shows us how to humble ourselves. Peter writes, casting all your anxieties on him. That word, casting... 
It's a word that's used in desperate moments when you need to cast your burden on someone else. So if I'm worried about my daughter, do I cast it on my wife? Who can carry our burdens? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we think of a yoke, we think of an ox pulling heavy weight, wearing that yoke. Or a burden, we think of a mule weighed down by heavy weight. Whether we think of an ox or a mule, we're thinking of hard work, heavy things, things that are hard to bear, to carry. How could Jesus say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? Jesus, he says, come to me. Notice the invitation is to us. He doesn't say, come to religion, come to spirituality. He says, come to me. It's personal. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And we need to get technical here just for a moment to understand what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus in saying, saying something to people that are burdened, he could have used the active voice and said, hey, all you who burden. He could have used the passive voice, all you who are burdened, or the middle voice, all you who burden yourselves. Which one do you think he uses? He uses the last one, the middle voice. All of you who have overburdened yourselves. You see, we carry burdens that the Lord never intended for us to carry. Or we carry them in a way that the Lord never intended for us to carry them. Jesus offers rest for our souls. Rest for those looping thoughts, those questions, those doubts. Rest for those negative anxieties and stresses. He literally says, I will rest you. Daryl Johnson in his book, The Glory of Preaching, has some helpful insights here. Jesus, he engages with us personally. He doesn't come up to his disciples and say, hey, I've got a great vacation package for you. I know you're going through stress, but hey, how about five days floating on the Dead Sea? Go rest for a while. He doesn't say, hey, how about three days in the forests of Lebanon? It'll be awesome. You'll rest. Then come back to the grind. No, he's saying, I will rest you where you are. In the everyday grind of life, I will rest you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. When we come to Jesus, he doesn't ridicule us, berate us, belittle us, scold us. Take my yoke, he says, so what is it? That is the billion-dollar question. What is it? Jesus wears a yoke. He himself wears it. Imagine being Jesus, fully God, fully man, called to be the Messiah, all kinds of demands and expectations on his life. How could he say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? Take my yoke and learn from me. I'll teach you how. What is it? Jesus invites us to take on his yoke. His yoke is to do the will of his Father, to be in relationship with his Father. Jesus is inviting his disciples to know the Father the way that he knows the Father. He invites his disciples into this relationship because his father is good. He knows his father cares. 
He knows that his father is all-powerful. He really trusts his father. That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He does nothing apart from his father. He does everything under the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And he invites us to walk the way that he walked, to learn from him. So in all of life, no matter what the circumstance, we can walk in relationship with the Father, follow Jesus, be empowered by the Spirit, rest. Why would we do this? Because, as verse 7 ends in 1 Peter 5, because he cares for us. The Father actually cares for you. He knows you by name. He, you matter to him. He constantly cares for you. He's not cruel. He's not apathetic. He's not indifferent, removed, distant, unconcerned. No, he cares for you. And his love is steadfast. He's faithful. And he's not only good, but he is powerful. He is able to act on your behalf. So why do we worry if all of this is true? Well, I worry, you worry, because we've learned to do life on our own. We've been educated to do life on our own. We've been educated that there isn't a creator who truly cares, who is intimate with us, who walks with us, who abides in us by his spirit. We've learned to do it on our own. And sometimes our sinful nature just leads us to want to be independent to solve things on our own. You know, the root of anxiety is unbelief. Unbelief. So if I'm anxious, I don't really believe that God cares. I'm not really believing in that moment that he hears. I'm not really believing that he's able to act on my behalf. And so when I recognize that, when I recognize that I'm anxious because of my unbelief, what can I do? Well, I can repent. And so as I run through the park and I hear the word from the Lord, this is an easy one. What I need to do is humble myself, repent, and say, okay, God, here, my daughter. In this text, God invites us to do two things. Two things we can do. He invites us to humble ourselves and to cast all our cares on him. I find that sometimes I cast my care on God, but I leave a string on it, and then I just kind of pull it back after a while. When we're facing anxieties, we need to ask ourselves two questions. And the questions aren't, where is God and how do I handle this? The questions are, have I truly humbled myself before God? And have I truly cast my anxieties on him. Peter writes, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God because he can save you, because he cares for you. Maybe you're a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and you came in here anxious today. This is a good moment to surrender all of your cares, all of your anxieties. Exchange your care for his care. Maybe you aren't a follower of Jesus, and today would be the first day that you would humble yourself before him. Well, Jesus says to you, come to me. Maybe you are here burdened by guilt. Maybe you're here under the weight of shame. Maybe you're stressed out because of fear of the future. 
Maybe you're weighted down by anxieties and stresses, and the Lord would say to you, come to me. I'll release you from your guilt and give, offer you forgiveness. I'll take you from under your shame and give you a new identity, teach you that you're loved and accepted. I'll remove your fears. I'll remove your anxieties and fill your life with peace. To do that, you need to humble yourself. Receive what Jesus has done for you. He's taken your sin upon himself. He has opened the way to the Father. You're the only one who can decide to say, yes, Jesus, I receive what you've done. I'll follow. 